What up, podcast listeners? We're back with another great episode of the Matt Baxter Show with, yep, you guessed it, your boy Matt Baxter here. And I rocked this episode out with Sam Crother, who uh, is originally, you can hear it in his voice, from Australia. And he is just a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating person. This podcast is short, sweet, to the point packed with a bunch of awesome information around uh, security, data security, privacy. And uh, Sam is just running an amazing company um, and they are doing some great impact and uh, protecting some large organizations from security threats, from uh, security attacks and a a bunch of different various things in that industry. So uh, Sam, you're a good man. Thank you for uh, doing this podcast. Thank you for the impact uh, that you have. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys this podcast as much as I have. Sam, thanks so much for being a guest on this podcast. I appreciate you having me, Matt. This is going to be fun. So uh, we, we were talking a little bit. You spent a little time in Chicago. You're in New York right now. Uh, I mean, so so give me the backstory. What led you up to today? Where, where, where do you come from? Uh, tell, me, tell, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up a little bit south of the US and, and to the right in a small town in Australia uh, and stumbled into security as many do when I was quite young uh, and was, you know, fortunate enough that turns out it's a huge industry and there's a lot of a lot of value to be added uh, by solving some of the more difficult problems. And so after working a few jobs, ended up leaving to try to build a business, you know, got going in Australia and realized the real opportunity was to help solve, you know, problems for the bigger companies in the US. And so I, you know, packed up a suitcase and literally sold everything I had in Sydney and moved over uh, to to Chicago and, and the rest is the rest is history and that was four odd years ago uh, so where where specifically in uh, Australia were you uh, did you live Sydney yes I uh, just north of Sydney a mining town called Newcastle I love it I love it wait that Newcastle beer is not no Newcastle beer is English, right? That's English, yes. Like most things in Australia, we were named after the city of Newcastle uh, in the <laughs> north of England. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, do you do you go back a lot? I like to. You know, unfortunately, twenty twenty to our late last year was no trips. However, yeah. you know, now we're back. You know, to the usual travel schedule where I I get back every like three months or so. Yeah, I love it. I did a I did a trip uh, twenty January twenty nineteen. It was right over New Year's, so I did Melbourne, I did uh, Sydney, we did the Great Barrier Reef, and then I did uh, New Zealand too. I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time, but just what a, what a very special place. Right. Yeah, combining that with New Zealand, good choice. They're they're very very beautiful countries. Yeah, it was it was, it was good. So. All right. Naturally, you got into security. Uh, so when, when you say that, you're talking about like information technology security. You're talking about security. Like walk me through a little bit sort of the adolescent stages of jumping into the security industry and what that looked like. And then obviously, we're going to dive deep into kind of what you have going on now. But what, what did kind of that early stage of that look like? And then, yeah, well, answer that first. Then I got a part two to that question. All right. All right. Look, so I, you know, thoroughly loved computers like a lot of, you know, people like, like myself from, from quite a young age. And I realized it was kind of fun to make them work in ways that they were not meant to work and do things they shouldn't do. Uh, and it didn't necessarily start out as like, you know, what you may consider hacking or like the, the cybersecurity side of it, but it was more so just, okay, well, what can I make Word do? What can I make, you know, email Outlook do that it shouldn't be able to do? And it sort of devolved from there where I realized, okay, all right, if I can make this happen on my own computer, what can I make this website do that it wasn't meant to do? 
oh, you know, I can make it spit back all of the usernames and passwords. That's not good. And then was, you know, through a series of fortunate or unfortunate events, uh, ended up getting a job out of, you know, some of the, the problems that I was finding, which was very amusing. Yeah, I was about to say, there's so much irony in that. Look, you broke every rule. We want to hire you. Got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what, like, and, and this is, uh, so I own a HR tech software company and we do video interviewing. So I'm in the software world, but I'm the dumbest person on our team by far when it comes to actually like being a developer. That is, I stay as far away from that as I can. And that is good for everybody. Um, so I'm going to ask them probably what you consider to be like really dumb, uh, probably uh, ignorant questions, but like there's this kind of voodoo idea around like the dark web. So like from your perspective, obviously you've, you've probably gone pretty far down uh, the rabbit hole of like, you know, manipulating websites for better, for worse. What's like when people think about the dark web, what does the general population maybe misunderstand? And what does the general population maybe uh, not give as much respect as they should to it? Well, I'm, firstly, mate, no dumb questions. Uh, it's sure, a lot you. of it is a very voodoo-y world. I'll try to honor that. <laughs> uh, no, nah, there's, there's, I mean, maybe there are some cases of dumb questions. That's definitely not one. Uh, look, I'd say the biggest misconception and what people also don't understand is it's not like a really shady place anymore, right? Like it, it used to be a bit more underground. You know, you had to really, you sort of know what you were doing or just Google your way to figure out how to get on there. Um, now most of it occurs, uh, on what you might consider the regular internet and it's very, very accessible. I think that is probably something people do not appreciate and realize, right? It happens on Telegram, on Discord, on, you know, these sort of third tier hosting providers. Like it is, it's in, it's in the public domain, which is quite concerning. Um, it makes sense. So... You know, for you, you made the jump to uh, you made the jump to the states. So, what is what did sort of the uh, I guess the the your vision of working in the security industry, working in software? How is there a lot of difference of that in Australia versus that in the states? Like, is there a country to country different uh, approach versions of that from your perspective? Look, I think there is, and I'm. I think it's driven more by just like the cultural differences between the US and Australia. US, you know, is a much bigger place, historically has been more of a target than Australia. And I think that is definitely reflected. You know, Aussie companies historically, not now, but historically have been a bit more relaxed and not as forward as a lot of the bigger US companies. Uh, that was, you know, definitely a big difference that I, you know, I have noticed and, and US, you know, folk are much more prepared to sort of fail fast to get to the correct solution. Whereas, you know, historically Australian companies may not have wanted to fail at all, even if it meant doing nothing for two years. Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur now, you're an entrepreneur in this space. So, you know, walk me through sort of the journey of launching your own company in this space. Yeah, look, you know, like a lot of great things, it was a sort of a bit of an accident uh, after building, you know, like a prototype of some software with a few mates. And realizing that one part of what we'd built would actually be really useful to a lot of people. And that was this, you know, idea of detecting and stopping bots and, and scripts and other sort of automated tools from being used to abuse websites and apps. 
so after you know getting to that point, we managed to somehow convince someone to give us fifty thousand Australian dollars to you know get the prototype into a better state. Uh, they gave us another fifty grand, and a few of their mates you know chipped in a little bit to help us get to that point where we had our first you know customer. And from there, you know, raise, you know the classic path: raise a bit of a seed round to build out more of the customer base, more of the engineering team, and and look from from there, it's been just awesome wins with some some very big brands that we've been very lucky to have the opportunity to work with, and it just sort of keeps propelling us forward, uh, which you know is un, is unfortunately you know, helped by the reality of how bad the internet is and how many problems that that there are that we can help people solve. So. Um... <clears throat> I, I think conceptually, I kind of understand it. Are you ultimately ending? Are you ultimately servicing large companies from? Like, is your is your end customer ended up being sort of the large companies and large brands, or is it individual people? No, it's it's the large large brands. So we very much a B two B business. Um, most most of our customers will be like fortune 500 and, and and below like the very big brands that face the big fraud problems that you associate with operating very large online businesses yeah makes sense and so how do you like and and this is not necessarily you know what's your perfect b2b go-to-market strategy but from you know we're 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 a software company we're b2b we sell into hr and our goal is to you know cover as wide uh of reach of a customer base as we possibly can and some of that includes like massive email marketing. Some of that includes massive automation, um, which in theory is good, but obviously can go wrong quickly. Where are areas that you see companies do really, really well? Um, and where are areas that you see companies like, man, this is this is terrible. This is ruining the brand. Like walk me through now, like you're on the side of protecting organizations, but then how do you, how do you go about or how do you encourage companies to do it in like an ethically correct way like that has value add? Yeah, look, I mean, it is difficult, right? That's that is the the reality. The way we sort of like to practice what we what we preach, and like our go to market has been very uh, very direct and surgical. We've we've steered away from a lot of the you know traditional very large you know emailing and whatnot campaigns. And I think part of that for us is because you know the folk we typically work with. Our security people and security people are very skeptical of everything. <laughs> I was about to say, sending a sending a cold outreach to a security person probably yeah. is not the, the best go-to-market strategy. Exactly. Well, I think we definitely, for that reason, have a very unique position uh, or you know, require a bit of a unique go-to-market uh, because you're at the, you know, it, which is good. You want security people who are skeptical of things. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. We, we As you say that out loud, I, I kind of have a pretty similar approach. Like one of our most challenging things is we sell into HR, right? And so mm-hmm. by nature, selling into HR of a new innovative tool is like the most ironic thing in the world. Not to say that HR people can't be new and innovative, but their idea, like they're, they're, they are responsible for compliance. They are responsible yep. for legal. They're responsible for uh, tracking and metrics and things like that. And so to try to sell something new to them uh, is actually a real challenge not because they're not willing to uh, innovate, but just because by nature, their role doesn't necessarily support support that. So I'm sure you probably run into some similar things. Yeah, absolutely, right? Security is similar in that their job is to ensure nothing goes wrong or that the chance of it going wrong is, is very small. And so, you know, unfortunately, change of anything introduces risks. So, you know what it is? It does present an interesting challenge. Uh, but you know, I'm sure as you've you've experienced, 
when the pain's great enough, you know, the uh, acceptance of risk and change tends to be very strong. So what's your big vision for the company? Look, I think there's, you know, we're working with a fraction of the people we know we can help, right? And we're solving a problem that costs a lot of big companies millions of dollars a year, if not tens of millions. And, and you know, look, I, I really believe we can build a very, you know, awesome standalone business solving this problem and then you know look into other security problems that are that are a bit adjacent to what we do now to, to solving the future so look if we can you know build this into a business which can stand on its own you know two legs and continue to grow without any you know assistance from the outside that'll be a pretty awesome win i love that i love that and you know this is kind of i i i know you obviously service b2b but like what are some just like uh call it sort of dumb tips and tricks that you can have for individual people when it comes to like their own security, their own privacy. I mean, I don't know, like, I, I, I think, uh, it seems like there's kind of a couple schools of thoughts of people. There are some mm -hmm. people who sort of click and, 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 uh, answer every phone call or email and assume that it's real. And obviously you need to prevent some of that. And then there are some people who won't trust anything and there's yep. obviously everybody in between, but what are some just like, I don't know, tips and tricks that you would have for people who are, uh, no idea where to start when it comes to sort of their own online security. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure this is something people have heard a lot. A really big one is is just to not you reuse passwords. It's incredible how much of an impact it has just having the same password on three or four websites, right? And the more more websites that share it, the worse the risk gets. Given that so much of our lives is not on our laptops, it is on you know companies. You know, websites, apps, where your credentials are the gateway, that is honestly one of the biggest things I think people can do to protect themselves is just make unique passwords. And then, you know, be a bit skeptical of things. I think healthy skepticism is good, but unfortunately people that are doing the phishing, you know, they know how to play our psychology. And, you know, the reality is everyone at some point is going to fall victim to it. So as long as you're following good practices on, you know, how you secure your accounts, you're probably going to be okay. And, you know, how much uh, everybody, you know, in, in, in our industry, there's the GDPRs of the world, there's like the data selling back and forth, how much of that actually like affects us in a negative way? I mean, because when, in my assumption, uh, the general population gets freaked out when it's like, oh, they're selling our data. But yet like that, there's a lot of like positives that happen with that as well, too, that I think people totally miss the point. So like, uh, can you can you speak a little bit into that of where people maybe the general population like misunderstands what's happening? Yeah, I, I think it definitely is a murky area, right? But it help it does. I guess it's it's about the trade offs that you want as a consumer. I think there is some real value in you know people being able to get a better picture of you because there's potential value they can add, right? You know, something as simple as being advertised with the right thing at the right time can actually be kind of useful. And I don't know if you've seen it. I definitely have experienced that where I've wanted to like, you know, maybe go on a holiday somewhere and then all of a sudden, oh, I see, you know, cheap tickets. Okay, great. Yeah, um, there's plenty of things that I bought that were advertised to me that I'm actually thrilled that I bought. Now, with that yeah. being said, there's plenty of things I did buy that I didn't need, but <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, so look, I think it's, you know, good and good and bad. Um, I don't know how much of a security risk that particularly holds. Maybe if someone were able to break into this and learn more about you, but you know, again, if if 
good practices are being followed, like the impact of that should be relatively small. Um, yes, but uh, look, it is. It is something that it's out of our control, which does kind of suck. The, the reality is, you know, we leave it up to the Googles and the Facebooks of the world to to manage that on our behalf and give us no say in, in how they do it. And not necessarily talking about those, but in reference to sort of some of those really big entities, I also think the general population kind of has that they're bad and they're, 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 you know, they're just uh, really, really negative uh, companies. And, you know, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica stuff, there's all that. Do you think a lot of that's hogwash? Do you think there's validity to that? What's your stance on those? And again, not necessarily talking about any company in particular, but just the big brands that sort of get sort of that evil look about them. Yeah, I think it is a a classic, the Goliath is is evil uh, mentality, right, for a lot of people. Uh, You know what? It's hard. I think I think there are a lot of well-intentioned people at these companies, um, but I, I do also think that it is difficult when a company is effectively a monopoly for them, you know, to always be on the side of the consumer, right? Yep. Like there is inherently a conflict, and I'm, I'm sure you know every big company battles with that quite a lot. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what's next for you? Uh, mate, we, you know, we're, we're at the very beginning of our journey still. So there's a, there's a lot more fun to be had, um, you know, building this business up more across the U S and Australia and other, other parts of the world. So look for the next five or 10 years, that's, uh, that's going to absolutely be what I'm doing. I love that. Um, and, uh, you know, my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what, what gets people out of bed in the morning? And so for you, obviously there's a driving force beyond just, uh, just what you're doing day to day. So kind of what's the, what's the purpose behind what you're doing? Yeah, look, I think the reality is the internet's not a great place and bad things that occur on it often impact very real people, right? So one thing that's very, very incredible and is, is awesome to see, you know, increase over time is actually the number of people who benefit from our software, use our software and have no idea we even exist. Right, like on a given day, we have the better part of forty or fifty million different people touch our our systems just in the U.S. And you know, probably a few, most of the internet using population in the U.S. and Australia at least every month. So that is pretty incredible to to be almost that silent protector, right? And making sure that you know we're doing our part to ensure that their days are not ruined by you know some incident that's out of their control. That's a good word. So Sam, for people that want to follow along with what you got going on, people that want to reach out to you guys, uh, potentially to explore uh, the offering, what, what's the best way for them to reach out, get in touch, hear more about you? Yeah, so our website, casada.io, is a good place to start. And then uh, you know my email is sam at casada.io. Always happy to uh, receive an email and have a chat. I love it. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Easy. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for having me. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su- subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, 
or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Action Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <music>